Hey everyone, just a quick note, the YouTube version of this podcast will have some gameplay thrown in. I usually don't add photos to my podcasts, but I think given the system and the relative like lack of exposure of some of these games, I think it's worth having an option for you guys to see what we're talking about. It's not going to be completely edited or anything. You know, there will be times where there's no nothing on screen at all other than just the, the logo. But I just wanted to make you aware that that will be an option. But whether you watch or not, thanks for listening and let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Report Podcast. This is a multi-tap episode where we cover a specific topic when inviting somebody onto the show. And today's topic is going to be about the NEC PCFX, which is a uh, console that was released exclusively in Japan in 1994 uh, by NEC. It's generally thought of as the failed follow-up to the uh, TurboGrafx or PC Engine uh, uh, console that NEC also put out. And if you've heard about the PCFX before, there's a good chance that you've heard the Western narrative around the platform, which is that it's a platform full of uh, skeevy content. And while there, there's some truth to that, that's really an oversimplification and an exaggeration uh, as well. So to talk about these topics today and the general software library of the PCFX, uh, I brought on Matt. Um, hi. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I also go by PlayOnGo or a Filler. Uh, I, am a, I am a video game collector and, you know, just general fan. Uh, I've had a YouTube channel for close to a decade now uh, under PlayOnGo. Um, I also have a YouTube channel for my Filler fan translation work. I've fan translated games for close to 20 years now. I have, you know, dozens of uh, game scripts and, and released uh, English language fan translation patches and i'm a big uh, pc fx fan so thank you very much for having me on and with your fan translations do you have like a couple of high profile ones that you can think of off the top of your head that you've worked on yeah i've done a lot of work with dynamic designs so one of the first ones we did was the slayers rpg on the hmm. super famicom i translated half of the script for god growth or devolution so that's that's a pretty cool uh, rpg the Aretha series, we have actually just released uh, Aretha 1 and, and 2 in the past few years. Uh, Aretha 2 came out pretty recently. So th those are some more high-profile uh, games. Well, nice. I want to thank you for your service as a fan <laughs> translator. My pleasure. It's super helpful for someone like me who barely has any Japanese knowledge. And I, I of course, have, have fan translated a PCFX game. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. You now have a new award you can put on your desk. You're the first... American podcaster on my podcast who currently lives in America. Oh, wow. Uh, I think wow. everybody has either been from the UK, Australia, or lives in Japan. So, so congratulations. No one can take that away from you. Well, that's great. You have, you have a very international uh, podcast. Yeah. But despite the the Americanness of today's podcast, it is definitely about Japanese games here. So first and foremost, you know, the PCFX is not a console you would typically run into like you would any other console when you're, you know, living in America. I kind of want to get an idea of how you came across the console 
and kind of what your history is with it. I was first introduced to it back uh, around like 1995, 1996. I think my my buddy ended up importing it from Japan. I, I think it was in 1996. The system had probably been out for a year, year and a half at that point. Uh, we were just getting into to anime. Uh, as a thing, right? They're just recognizing there's this this Japanese animation, and um, I think that's kind of what prompted him to import the the system. And um, so I got to play it back when it was contemporary. So that was that was very fun. And it's a it's a system that is very <laughs> maybe very anime is the best way to put it. Yes. Um, so how I came across the platform was about ten years ago for me. I was looking into PlayStation One importing, um, and I ended up picking up Blue Breaker Burst Two. Uh, from what at the time was Rising Stuff, uh, but is now Japan Retro Direct, which our good friend Vinka runs. In in playing Blue Breaker Burst 2, I, I weirdly enough enjoyed it. And despite it being like a Japanese fighting game with, that was very story heavy. And I did some research on it because I was interested in making a video about it. And then I found out about Blue Breaker uh, for the PCFX, which then kind of led me down the path of what is this system and eventually got me to go ahead and import it was uh, I was interested in a game called Team Innocent, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So to start off talking about the PCFX, I just kind of want to talk about a little bit about the hardware and kind of what the system was trying to do. Like I said earlier, it is kind of a follow up to the PC engine in some way. Um, but it's also NEC was also doing PCs at the time with the PC98. Uh, and those were somewhat commonly used as game machines and the, the audience for those kind of geared a bit older. But also at this time was around the time CD media was kind of still becoming a big thing, like the early 90s, yes. basically. And so you have a lot of games that are basically trying to make use of that extra space with things like um, streaming audio from the disc, uh, full motion video and and voice acting. Yeah, no, those things were, were very new at the time. And, and I think, you know, I think it's when you're looking at the PCFX, it's important to, you know, to remember that those things were pretty novel. Um, a lot of those PC 98 games were probably coming out on floppy disks, right? So if if there was, for instance, a port to the PCFX and it, you know, it had voice acting, you know, that alone was was pretty amazing. And it's, you know, not certainly not that you couldn't do that on a, on a PC. Uh, you know, I don't know what the adoption of CD-ROM drives for those, those PC systems were and things like that, but... But there's certainly um, an appeal to the PCFX as uh, kind of a window into into PC gaming uh, of that time to a certain extent. And I would also say like to really just like kind of otaku culture, kind of nerd culture at the time. And in terms of like the, the type of content on the system, I think in a lot of ways you could also look at like the PC Engine CD stuff. I, I feel like you see a lot of overlap between the types of games that was appearing on the PC Engine CD. Um, as well as the PCFX. So in some ways, it almost feels like this weird convergence between the uh, PC Engine CD and like what was happening on PC 98 and things like that. And I think it's kind of interesting combination in that way. Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And for me too, I think there was a time when I felt like 2D gaming was the future, right? It was yeah. what I, I was looking forward to. And and I think we see now too, I, I feel at least a little bit vindicated that you know 2D gaming hasn't gone away yeah, it's still um, it's it's still fun, and I, I especially feel like those those two D games from back then actually hold up quite a bit better than some of the like early three D games, for instance. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting because one way I kind of think of the PCFX and kind of when it came out and what the system capabilities were around that time is I actually think a lot of it like the Dreamcast. Um, there's a sliver of time where it was kind of impressive for what it is. It's like yes, better than yeah. like a Sega CD. It's better than a Graphic CD. But, you know, a year, year and a half to two years later, you have the PlayStation 1 and Saturn coming out. And they generally, I, I'm not particularly aware of anything the PCFX does better than those systems per se. One thing I also think that's kind of interesting about PCFX is you do have these digital magazines and stuff on the platform you can buy. A lot of games will have like voice actor. I don't know if interview is the right word. I believe it's like Chip Chan Kick. You could uh, go into like a section and the voice actor will just sit there and talk to you for a little bit, basically. <laughs> I don't know if this is related, but I was poking around on Twitter a little bit. And something interesting that I was introduced to is the idea, uh, just a Japanese speaker uh, talking about the system, is that they, they perceived it as a system for enthusiasts, right? Mm -hmm. So it was an expensive system. And it's funny, like it was probably, I don't remember what the uh, the retail price was, but it was probably more expensive than like the, the PlayStation. So on some level, their perception of the system was like a system for for hardcore like anime nerds, right? Mm. So, you know, it, I think of it a little bit like the the Neo Geo here, right? Uh, the Neo Geo, I only ever saw it in a video game store once, you know, uh, set up. Uh, I, I didn't know anyone who had it. It was expensive, but it was super cool. Like, if you saw it, you were like, oh, like, this has its own, you know, it's it's basically these arcade games that you could play on a home system. And, you know, the PCFX, it's like, okay, it's, it's like this kind of souped-up PC-98, like, anime nerd... Uh, system, but basically something something for enthusiasts, kind of a, a little little bit of a high end thing that you might spend extra money on if you're really into uh, into, for instance, voice voice actors and actresses. You know, the same people who who really get uh, get super into like um, yeah, anime and anime production. It, even with its launch games, it does seem like kind of a, a very anime otaku focused uh, you know, lineup of, of software. Before we, you know, get too deep into the library, I, I think first and foremost, we have to kind of talk a little bit about the general perception of the library. It's a system that I frequently just hear get called basically as a, a erotic game machines in some way. Everyone says it will be like their hentai games that are on there and that's what the library is full of. And that's pretty far from the truth. So the platform, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on these numbers, they're there's about three 18 plus games as far as I know, correct? There's Pia Carrot, Can Can Bunny, uh, Dokusei 2. Is, are, are those the only three? Those are the only three. If you're saying that the system is full of like sexually explicit, you know, video games, uh, you're you're talking about literally three games. Now the the library is fairly small; it's like sixty two, sixty three titles, something like that. So you know, as a percentage, three games is not insignificant. But it's it's a little silly, I think, to you know judge a system by three of the games that came out on it. I believe that they are all PC ports as well. So none of these. You know, 18 only games that were released on the system are actually developed exclusively for the PCFX. There are there are three uh, three PC ports that are 18 only. Uh, there are also uh, four other games that are basically mature audiences. The way they say it is recommended for over the age of 18, but it's not restricted. The, the sales weren't restricted. They could sell it to whomever they chose. Uh, you have First Kiss Story. 
Dragon Knight 4, Super Real Mahjong FX PV, which I think is also the fifth in the series. They, they go like P1, P2. And then Tokimeki Card Paradise. And I can't speak to the other games in that 18 plus recommended, but basically for First Kiss Story specifically, generally the type of content you see in that game are um, girls in their underwear at some point. There is an opening cutscene with a girl stepping out of the shower, but it covers up basically any of the naughty bits. And then also there's some mature themes here and there. There is a, a uh, slight scene towards the end of one of the characters that kind of involves molestation, but it's generally clean overall. It's not like pornographic content. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting, like when you compare this to, to, to similar things over here, like for instance, the... Uh, what is the God of War games, right? You know, they have this sort of mini game in them and things like that. You have stuff like the Mass Effect series, you know, has and, and, and Dragon Age and things like that. And I think they're very lauded, actually, for their uh, depictions of romance in the mm-hmm. games, right? And, and I think that's, that's kind of where this divide comes in, in some ways, is that I think people are a little more willing to, to look at a game like The Witcher 3 or something like that and kind of accept the fact that it's it's a whole game uh, mm-hmm. with all kinds of things to do that also has these romance elements that are, you know, that are significant to the game. And and I want to say too, like when it comes to taboo things, I feel like there, and this applies to everyone too, it, it goes both ways, where I think it's easy to kind of project our own taboos, you know, subjects, mm-hmm onto another culture, onto another country, and go, oh, like, it's so taboo here, but it's okay over there, right? And I I see this in reverse. And, you know, so I I feel like, unfortunately, for whatever reason, the PCFX, I think, is caught up a little bit in that perception of that, oh, it's like, it's that place where the the, the taboo things aren't aren't taboo, right? And that's that's actually actually really not true, right? You know, it's like these other places, they actually have pretty strong taboos about a lot of these things, too. But I, I think it's actually nice if media can delve into some of these things. And I think it's nice, too, if we can if we can recognize that... You know, a, a lot of these games really are just, uh, they're dealing with the same themes and the, and the same, uh, you know, the same subject matter in a lot of the same ways on, on both sides of the ocean, right? Uh, it's just that, you know, one game is called uh, First Kiss Story and the other game is called the, the Witcher 3 or something like that. But And I think also, like, even the games that are in these kind of styles today that come out today, they generally don't have as much of a bad perception. But I think a lot of it comes down to the perception that was made 10, 15 years ago about the PC effects sticks because there's not a lot of people trying to reevaluate the perception of the system, I guess. Absolutely. So yeah. even though if you go back and look at the content today, it's like, actually, we have a lot of games that do these similar things today on Steam and stuff like that. The narrative of what this platform is sticks around because people aren't doing the in-depth looking on that system. So Yeah, yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know what it is, but it, it's kind of like... You know, if, if once you kind of have a, a framework, like a frame for looking at something, you know, unless you have a really good incentive to, to reframe how you're looking at something, I think it's just it's it's easy and convenient to just kind of maintain that, uh, that framework. Yeah. 
Uh, and only one more thing I really want to touch on before we get started on talking about individual games is, um, you know, even though there's the 18 plus and there's the, the 18 recommended games, there there is generally like, I guess you would call it like the anime fan service kind of nature around a lot of these games. Absolutely. It's very, very, very otaku culture, very Akiba culture is, I, th- I think the, the game library is seeped in that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think you can pick up a non 18 plus game and still get something that's like, oh, this is a little sexual. (laughs) Um, But it's not something that I think is I think it's pretty much comparable to what you would see in any anime today. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. So to go ahead and start talking about um, particular titles, the first thing I want to kind of lead off with is talk about the the launch game. So there's three launch games. There was Team Innocent, uh, a game called Battle Heat and uh, Graduation to Neo Generation. Uh, and to start with, I think Team Innocent is probably one of the most appealing games to look at initially because you can kind of recognize what it is. It, it, it's a survival horror game uh, about, I think, about a year before Resident Evil came out. And, you know, the general narrative that Resident Evil, like Resident Evil definitely popularized survival horror, but there's plenty of games doing a similar style uh, before Resident Evil. And Team Innocent falls into those. And and it's kind of interesting because because the system has like an anime background it gives this survival horror game like a very lighthearted nature. That's not like the B movie action kind of nature. It's a lot of very fun character interactions between these characters that are trapped. Well, one character is trapped on the spaceship and the other two are like flying above (laughs) safely from their ship, just commenting. It's very interesting. And, you know, it's the, I'm struck when I'm, when I'm playing the game, how much the, you know, it feels like Resident Evil and Team Innocent are both kind of drawing from the same well. It's very much that kind of tank control, fixed camera angles, walking through an environment that's definitely, it's definitely creepy, you know, because there are, well, there are three scenarios in the game, but you're, like you could say, you're alone with only, you know, people to talk to on the radio. And uh, it's very solitary, um, and they, they definitely do a lot with, I think, the sound, and like even when you first start the game, like this girder falls from the ceiling, right, and like makes this huge clang, and it just it sets this tone of like, okay, like it, you know, we're, we're trying to unsettle you, um, which, which I think is, is, is great. But it's interesting clash because as soon as you're like inner or your like communications turns on, you have this super peppy anime girl <laughs> like jumping yes. around and and commenting on what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's jiggle animations and there there's a shower scene. I don't know if you ran across that and things like that. Yeah. So it, yeah, it is. There's there's kind of a, a definitely a clash in tone, uh, I think. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Team Innocent is a game with a a, a pretty unique look when it comes to survival horror. One thing that you might be able to correct me on, um, the PCFX, as far as I know, is a platform that really couldn't do 3D or at least not do it well. There are games that defy that, but it is accurate. Um, the main thing is, you know, I think what we were seeing at the time is is 3D hardware acceleration, right? You know, so you were, you were buying cards to put into your PC that had uh, hardware specifically for 3D. And you saw things like, you know, in the Saturn, they... they, they cram stuff in there the playstation really uh you know had had that stuff built in uh the pc fx just didn't so you do see some software um you know some software 3d uh effects and uh you know they're they're pretty good but it's certainly it's not a 3d system by any means and so i mean what's cool about team innocent is it has the pre-rendered backgrounds that you had in resident evil but you then you have these 2D sprites and they just they use sprite scaling 
it's it's simplistic sprite scaling. It's kind of the same sort of sprite scaling you would see when they would try to uh, do the like Sega's um, whatever Super Scaler arcade games or something on the on the Genesis or the Mega Drive. You know, it's just like they store five or six different uh, size sprites and then they just they just load them as you move forward and back on, on the screen. But um, you know, it's it's like there is action in the game. You can you can kick things, you can shoot things, you you pick you find items and things like that. It actually really works surprisingly well, I would say. It plays well. I would say not very challenging. Like there's no real intensity to the encounters or anything like that because you can you can deal with people so quickly. You can just punch them to death and they don't really react. <laughs> um, right. There is gameplay there. There's a lot of options in the gameplay. And it's kind of weird. It, it, the controller is like a six-button controller, but you have to like switch what one of the buttons does all the time. So it's like, this button can kick, this button can shoot, this button can jump, but you have to assign it to one button. <laughs> That's a really thing. good point. Yeah, so it's sort of like that, I don't know, just the awkward you know, controls that you tend to get on, on games from from that time in particular, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd say it's a game, and, and, and I actually made a video about this game a while ago, and I think it's a game that's very easy to to play it's a very visual game in a lot of ways there's like every cutscene has some kind of animated portrait voice acting with it if you pick up items there's usually a graphic associated with it and you know it being on a space station they put some english on there so you can figure out what rooms are the main computer room and stuff like that so i think it's like a very accessible game to try what we'll probably talk about on these these games you know across the board is is the presentation is very good i think for most games on the pcfx so you know as as a launch game like i don't know that this this really hits you over the head with like oh wow this is this is how a next gen you know game can look the for the for this new pcfx console but but it does i i do feel like it it is very you know pleasing you know again they do have the fmv at the start you know they're the the portraits you know are kind of well animated the voice acting is really good and the music too i i can't really overstate that i'm a relatively i mean i guess i'm a casual fan uh, of kenji kawaii he's done most of the anime and video game soundtracks that i that i really love did the music for vampire princess mew did the the soundtrack for ghost in the shell he's done video game work his soundtrack is on deep fear for the uh, sega saturn Yep. So, um, so he did the music for uh, Team Innocent, and actually, I I really love it. I think I think this that soundtrack uh, is just it's it's one of my favorite video game soundtracks. I think it's a, I think it's really really well done. One of the other launch games was Battle Heat, and this is an interesting fighter on the system because it's a one on one fighter, but it doesn't use character sprites for the for the battle animations or, or how you're playing it you don't directly control characters as they move back and forth on the screen instead it plays a series of fmvs and as you put in fighting inputs as you punch as you kick as you you know use very street fighter like uh commands to do special attacks it will play fmv to represent that it's one of those games that when you look at it, you don't really know what's happening. <laughs> like if you're not actually playing it, I feel like uh, it just kind of looks like a mess. But once you sit down and start playing it, it actually feels weirdly like a fighting game because you are putting those inputs in. And basically, as the other player receiving those inputs, you have a chance to counter them and things like that. Um, so you can kind of counter back and forth uh, the the other player's input. And there is like a spacing uh, element to the game, too. There's like a, you can move back and then you use projectiles when you're in the back. Or you can move forward and then you're you're up closer. And some specials only work in some, some position if you're closer or further away from an enemy. 
it's a weird thing. It shouldn't play like a fighting game, but somehow it does. The thing I thought was most impressive about this game was how quickly it switches between a lot of the, the FMV sequences. I, again, am not super technically minded about this stuff, but it, it's a very snappy game. Uh, I feel like when I see video in games, I typically expect that it's like, you know, actively loading off the disc. I assume they're storing the video somewhere else. Yeah, no, that's a, a great point. And, you know, like, unfortunately, you know, this might be one of the games that plays to the PCFX's strengths the most, but because you, you, well... I was going to say, you probably couldn't do a game like this on on other systems because of that. Um, I'm trying to think, because I, I think the FMV games, you know, that are on other systems tend to be stuff like, you know, Time Gal and, you know, that's sort of your typical, like, Dragon's Lair style game, like something you'd see on the, the Laser Active or something. I think these these 2D fighting games are a bit unique to the, to well, to the PCFX, and also you you did see this kind of cinematic style fighting game on some of the 8 and 16-bit systems too. So you did see them actually on the Super Famicom and even stuff like the, the Game Gear or you know thing, things like that as well. But those are just like using sprites and things like that. It's not exactly. like... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, like I think when I think of Time Gal, I think of like you put the input in and then the video freezes for a second and then it actually shows you what happens. I could be wrong about that, but... Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think you're you're right. Yeah, you really don't see that on something like Battle Heat. If you like, like, Hokuto no Ken or Fist of the North Star or something like that, aesthetically, it's very similar to that. Uh, great soundtrack to great opening video as well. So the last launch lineup game is Graduation 2 Neo Generation. And neither of us have played this, but I think it is worth mentioning because in the launch lineup of things, I think it does kind of show where the system was going. You had a game that was like very much game-like, but focused on presentation. You had a game like Battle Heat, which is very FMV focused. And then you have Graduation 2, which is this like stat-based life simulator where, as far as I can understand, again, have not played it, is you kind of adjust the stats for these girls that are going to school. There's like five girls. And then they basically try to do different events in school, like, you know, athletic meet kind of stuff and then uh and doing tests and things like that and how they succeed kind of depends on what their stats are and then you know as you do that that kind of affects their development uh and then you get you know awarded with some cg like from time to time of like the girl in like an outfit or something like that um and i feel like this kind of completes the these like between these three games, this kind of completes the general library of what you expect on the PCFX going forward at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think minus you know, sort of like a, a more deep RPG or ter- sort of True. you know tactical RPG kind of experience. Yeah, it, it's 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 a pretty good representation of of the um, the styles and the technical capabilities of the system. A title like Graduation Two, I think, can roll us into other games on the system like Megami Tengoku Two, where you're also kind of building a character. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Megami Tengoku 2 is, is really fun. And it's, uh, it, it's, it is what I would call a simulation. And I feel like, like when people talk about open world games and things like that, you know, I mean, that's like, in some ways, they're, they're similar, you know, you're, you're trying to get the feeling of this, this open space, where you can explore and do whatever you want. And it has its own, you know, maybe it has a day night, day night cycle or something. That's, that's very much the way Megami Tengoku is you're playing as a goddess right so it's uh, this is a goddess paradise and you're you're competing with these these sort of quote-unquote evil goddesses for for followers 
Okay, so essentially you're just like, you're trying to get more more devoted worshippers. It kind of seemed like you were being kind of an idol to some extent from what you showed me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think it, it very much is because really you're, you're, the mechanics for doing that are, are pretty ridiculous because they're like dressing up in, in different outfits and it's like striking poses at different places throughout the city. And, and you also, you know, you can have, you can engage in battles against uh, the, the sort of quote unquote evil goddesses. It's definitely not an RPG battle so much. It's, it's basically it's you, you can either knock other followers, you know, away from the, the opponent, or you can, you can take their followers and add to your own, you know, so you're basically trying to reduce their followers to zero through like a variety of moves that each character has and things like that. But it's, it's, it's a really charming game. And there's actually, there's a lot of stuff you can do in terms of, you know, going around to different environments. There are, there are like little events that you can trigger you know there are a lot of items that you can get and there and there are like stats that you manage without a doubt so like mm-hmm. uh, your your hunger your your health your fatigue it's like a mix of physical and mental health from what i can tell like because there's like stress level management and things like that too exactly yeah yep you know that type of simulation game i don't know that we like really talk about that a lot in mm-hmm. like in you know in western game types i don't know that we see a whole lot of those I feel like w- with the case of, and maybe this is part of part of what makes the PCFX a little hard for some people to to get into. I feel like with Japanese PC games at this time, you had a lot of weird mechanics around like you know relationships. In this game, making sure your character's not too fat, you got to be skinny enough. But you also don't want to be too skinny and things like that. You do have this background of like these more extensive managing a character, and like there's a lot more nuance to how you're progressing through a game that's not just you know going from point A to point B. Oh, I need to get stronger strength so I can hit things harder, kind of thing. So, when when we think about stat management, I think it really comes from Dungeons and Dragons, you know, that that I think really set the tone for. You know, you, you've got dexterity and strength and, and wisdom and intelligence and things like that. So, you know, when, when you're managing stats like, you know, how hungry or stressed out you are and how many, you know, followers you have and you know, that sort of stuff, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely like, you know, there's, there, it doesn't really fit that model of sort of, ta- you know, coming from tabletop uh, gaming. So, you know, and exactly where these things come from, I'm not entirely sure. I know that Princess Maker was one mm-hmm. of the early, you know, raising sim style games. And it's it's entirely possible that you just a game like that ends up setting a tone for so many games that follow it that, you know, some of these games may, you know, they really may be borrowing elements, uh, you know, that were established in, in uh, a game like Princess Maker and just expanding on those. I know this might be harder because you have a more intermediate knowledge of, of Japanese, but would you say this is a game that is approachable without really knowing the language? That's a good question. It's been a while since I've played the game. I mean, I think like if, if you've watched my my video on YouTube about Megami Tengoku 2, like certainly I feel like you could, especially if you're able to, let's say, look up what some of the items are and things like that, you know, item mm. names and shops and, and that sort of thing. It, it does have enough of just like a general gameplay loop that I don't think requires you to understand what dialogue is being said that you, absolutely. You, you, I think you could have some fun with, with Megami Tengoku too. I do think some of the charm is just, you know, the, like the goofy dialogue and things like that, yeah. and the character moments and that, that kind of thing. So you definitely miss out on a little bit of that, but um, yeah, you, it's, it's certainly something that I think, a non-Japanese speaker could uh, could could at least you know approach and get some enjoyment from. 
Um, so another game that, that you've spent some time with that I unfortunately haven't even gotten around to getting a copy of yet <laughs> is uh, Firewoman Matoi Gumi. And this seems like it's kind of like an RPG with some, I would say, school relationship mechanics kind of to it. It definitely has more RPG-like elements to it, I think, than something like Megami Tengoku 2. But it's still a bit of a simulation. Like, you have this big school campus. Um, you're in high school. You, of course, transfer to this high school. And basically, in just the culture of the school, you have this one, this group, this gang of, of ladies who, uh, you know, they, they just, they're kind of the bossy, like, you know, police women you know they, they kind of they, they make sure that like the bad guys aren't you know aren't uh, getting out of line and stuff like that and you can you have a basically a turn-based battle system so one of the main mechanics in the game is to go around um to like classes or different school clubs and you're going to learn moves and then you can you can assign those moves to your gamepad literally uh, just to a button and um you you basically queue them up into uh, like a series, like a combo, basically, that then you execute. And you're basically just trying to queue up attacks into a combo when you're fighting. I believe I saw there's like dating mechanics in this game to some extent, um, or at least there's like some interaction with certain girl characters. There is, absolutely. And so you ha- when you, you have games like the, the 18 only games that we talked about, things like that, those are specifically maybe dating sims where that's that's their main focus um but then you do have other games on the system such as firewoman matoi gumi where a dating element is is part of the gameplay it's maybe not the the whole thing but um but yeah it's it's kind of a major part of it it's not especially deep so you're not going to get a lot of really um you're not going to get like any sort of emotional stories or anything i don't think but as part of this life simulation, it is kind of fun. Uh, you're trying to basically figure out where to, to meet and see these different characters. You're trying to manipulate, um, you know, to, to kind of a, a stats way, like how, how much they like you. And you can keep track of a, a whole number of different characters. Um, and you, you can unlock little events with them and things like that. And you're trying to get to the end of the game and basically confess your love to one of the, the, the girls. One of the other games that kind of does this to some extent as a blue breaker, which is kind of like a more of a fantasy RPG kind of thing. But you do have like different character relationships in your party and things like that. Blue breaker. It's really interesting. I really liked what I played of it, but it is definitely a bit confusing and it's tremendously unique. So again, you know, if we're taking this, let's say a, a dating element to one of these games, this is an RPG Uh, like you say in that fantasy rpg style and you're you're playing you know a young prince or something like that Mm -hmm. and so the game starts off your dad is like look you you know you need to go and and defeat the 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 devil king right Mm -hmm. and while you're at it you know get yourself get yourself a a wife you know here's (laughs) here's so and so she's like you know you've got your childhood friend character or something who's in in your party and so it's 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 very odd. Like I, I didn't understand it at first. And, and, you know, over time I kind of started to realize that you, you have to treat the characters in your party, like as if they were the characters in a dating sim game. Mm -hmm. Um, so what you're trying to do is like, you're trying to please them. You're trying not to upset them. You're trying to figure out like, you know, kind of who they are and what makes them tick. So when that comes to a, an RPG party, it's literally things like, you know, you're trying to make sure that you're not letting them die in battle. 
that you're yeah. not letting their HP get too low, that you're, you know, um, just the things in, in that sense. And also like you can, you, you form parties. So, you know, you, you go back to your inn or something like that. Uh, you've bumped into a new character. You've got some other girl, like you go out, you, you put her into your party and the other girl's like, Hey, I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I'm not going to join your party today. You know, I've got, <laughs> I've got better things to do. You know, yeah. And uh, so it's, it's really unique in that, in that respect. So I haven't gone back and played more of it, but it's, it's very interesting. They have ported some of these games to other systems, unfortunately, because the PCFX wasn't, you know, especially successful, but I, f- I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the thing you would only see on the PCFX to a certain extent. Yeah. I do think it's really fascinating that, the relationship parts really come down to things you're doing in the game too, and not just which dialogue box did you pick kind of thing. I always value that kind of experience of like, how do we wrap all this into the to the game part of this game? How do we make sure we're using the interactive part of this game to the fullest extent? Uh, which might be kind of annoying from a <laughs> from a trying to complete the game perspective if a character's dying. Uh, but you know, I think it's a it's a novel way to present that at the very least. In terms of the battle system, if I recall correctly from what little I have played of it, I did buy a copy a while ago. I just haven't actually invested a ton of time into it. The battle system's kind of automated to some extent. It's very MMO-like where the characters just kind of automatically attack. The reason why I think this is kind of interesting is, uh, and I just realized we talked about four Hunex games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, I have a particular interest in the developer Hunex for various reasons that started with Bluebreaker Burst 2, but they kind of did this thing at the time. They're making all these like self-playing RPGs. Yep. And one of the games also is that is Sparkling Feather, which is a strategy RPG. So you have a bunch of characters that are around the map, like in a very Final Fantasy Tactics kind of way. As far as I can tell, you kind of just tell characters what you kind of want them to do. And it doesn't necessarily mean they'll do it the way they that you'll you'll ask them to. Sometimes they'll go off and take a different path than kind of what way you were hoping they were doing. Sometimes they'll run up to an enemy and use like their ranged attack, like point blank rather than their normal attack. <laughs> And unfortunately, it's one of those things that I don't know the language enough to really know for certain if I'm just missing something. I was just going to say, I, I think that you're you're correct in that. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. It's like, I know when I played it, something rubbed me the wrong way about the combat. And that was definitely it. Because I think I was playing it off the heels of something that was very tactical. And so you were really mm-hmm. thinking through all the battles. And in this, it's not about thinking. It's about your, I think you're about your relationship with the characters in terms of how much they trust you and how much they'll follow your orders. Uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, there are other games like that. I think maybe it's a little more common uh, in in some Japanese games like mm-hmm. uh, Slayers on the, the Super Nintendo on the Super Famicom had a very similar thing where like you're playing Lita inverse and you, you, you can tell Naga to, to cast a spell and she's just going to do whatever she wants. Cause it's, it's not, it is interesting. Like I can appreciate the concept behind it. I think the one hard thing about it though, is that the relationship stuff in that game is kind of semi random at the end of every mission, you get a slot machine and that slot machine determines how many characters you have a chance to build a relationship at once with. And it also determines whether you can choose who you want to build a relationship with or if it's random. But it's it feels unnecessary, <laughs> like an unnecessary piece of uh, annoyance that they kind of put in place. We talked about all these games having a really great presentation generally. And Sparkling Feather looks good, but presentation just doesn't feel like it's there. There's like 30 second audio loops for songs and you're like, these missions take like 30 minutes. So it's it's pretty, pretty bad. The animation's super choppy and everything. 
I wanted to love this game, but I actually really like it. So let me say something good about it. It has a really diverse cast of characters. And a lot of these PCFX games is kind of like there's the cute girls or there's the cute boys. And you don't really see them mingle as much or at least not in terms of how important they are. And I feel like with um, with uh, Sparkling Feather, it's it's a good mix of characters that are all kind of shoved together in this one story. Like even though there's dating mechanics, it doesn't feel like it's particularly trying to get you to prioritizing certain characters over other characters, I guess. So the next thing I want to do is kind of shift the conversation. One thing I wanted to kind of talk a bit about were games that were particularly accessible, games you can kind of pick up and play without too much trouble. Uh, there's, I wouldn't say there's a ton of these on the system, but the ones that are there, I think are generally pretty good. Starting with uh, maybe, do you know the full name for this? I, Kishin Zenki? <laughs> yeah, Kishin Doji Zenki FX. Uh, Vajra Fight. Yeah, it's a long one <laughs> in terms of name. Yeah, it is. I've actually been involved in a couple translation projects for games based on the Kishin Doji Zenki uh, manga and anime. Mm. And so we, we have translated it as, uh, as Demon Child Zenki before for what that's worth this is I, I believe the most expensive game on the pcfx if i'm not wrong and i think you'll find that general trend of if a game is accessible on the pcfx it is typically very expensive <laughs> um definitely yep and i think this game it's it's a very short game i think it's about an hour long i almost consider it like a roller coaster ride of a game like once it gets going it kind of never stops it's just this fast-paced beat-em-up kind of game with a ton of voice acting in it uh, as you're going through these environments and and just a lot happening on screen. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's it's almost too bad that I don't know when people talk about like the you know best beat 'em up games and things like that, and and maybe they talk about um, you know Aliens versus Predator or something like that, the arcade game or you know Streets of Rage or something. You know, I guess I don't know if if mechanically you know this this game holds up. Um, but you know, certainly presentation wise, and I've played through the, the full game. One thing that's very nice is there are, I mean, it's, it's only two characters, but the two characters play very differently. Uh, Zenki and Chiaki, they do have, you know, mechanics taken directly from the anime where Chiaki is, uh, like she has this bracelet, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, has, has kind of sealed the power of this demon. And so she's able to unlock the power of the demon uh, so that you know, that's something where you'll see uh, Zenki will transform into his kind of his full Zenki form, and otherwise he's actually kind of nerfed into this <laughs> child form, so that uh, you know, so that, that he can be controlled and not you know, take over the world or something. Um, but Chi and Chiaki plays differently too. She can shoot these kind of energy be uh, bolts and things like that. And um, yeah, it's I definitely agree. Like it's I've played this two player with with my buddy too, and just to be able to play like a really stylish really nice looking very anime um like just it's uh, there's almost this boss rush quality to yeah. it where you just it's like it's it's set piece after set piece boss after boss um you know and like you said if it's an hour long that's like it's it's an exciting hour of, of playing a, a pretty fun beat em up game. and it, it does i wouldn't say it has a ton of depth and i'd say i think i agree with you that maybe it doesn't play as well as other fighting game or other beat-em-ups it, it feels a little loose at times but there are like street fighter style inputs you can do to do special skills with each of the characters uh for different types of kicks and things like that for the length of the game i don't think it's really worth learning mm, yeah uh but one of the nice things is that the pcfx on its controller has these little switches to switch between mode a and mode b and i forget what switch you have to do for it but you can essentially turn it 
or turn the mode on so all the specials are mapped to the upper keys on the the gamepad. So you can just use your specials whenever you want. And maybe it's a little broken, but I think that's a fun way to play the game. Yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, from an accessibility standpoint, you know, even if it's just a language thing, um, you know, if you can't read the manual to figure out what move, is, you know, is, is what button combo input, that's that's definitely a good, great option. In some ways, kind of how the voice acting is overlaid with this game reminds me a little bit of like kind of how Star Fox kind of got with Star Fox 64, where it's just like a nice background noise almost to you you playing the game and kind of how how the dialogue evolves while you're playing, I feel like kind of informs the tone of like the battle scene and things like that. And I, I always I always like that a lot about like the Star Fox series of of when they use dialogue to to complement the action that's on screen. Definitely. I mean, you, you really you do feel like you're you're playing through uh, like a scenario that's unfolding, right? It's like you're playing through a you know a story mode, and so there's always the like the main characters are talking or the 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 enemy characters are talking, you know, and it, it, you know, it, it flows pretty seamlessly too. It doesn't get interrupted for instance, by, um, you know, by full motion video cutscenes, which are definitely something that is a strong, uh, aspect of the the system, but, uh, it's very much just in, in game as part of the gameplay. So another game that I, I personally haven't played is I think it's Chosen Hickey Zero Guy? Zeroigar. Gotcha. And I think this game from what I've seen, feels a lot like Kishin Zenki, but in, uh, like, sh- shoot 'em up form. That's not a bad description. So this game, one one thing that I really like about it, uh, of course, is that there is a fan translation for it. So some some guys that hang out, well, they used to hang out around the P- PC Engine effects forums, but the, they went away. They still hang around on the PC Engine Bible PC Engine Software Bibles forums, um, but uh, yeah, Sam I am and Elmer did a did a really great fan translation of this. So if you guys are interested in you know what the actual story is, um, all of the the full motion video scenes are you know uh, subtitled and things like that. It's they really did a fantastic job with it. But yeah, it's also like a very stylish, you know, again very anime, very high presentation sort of. Shoot 'em up, but I th- I think one of the things that's interesting about this, I struggle with it a little bit. I like vertical shoot 'em ups, but the like if you play it, the the ship movement is very fast. I believe there are speed power ups. You don't want to get going too fast. I I kind of forget it, but there might not be. But your your ship is just fast in general, and it's I find it a little hard to play. But there's some very interesting mechanics around it because you do you do level up. So what you'll find is you'll actually like, you'll play the game, you'll hit a boss that's hard, you'll die. But what actually happens is you're accruing experience. So you try it again, you get more experience, you level up, you get stronger, and then you actually have like an easier time fighting the boss next time. Uh, which I think is kind of a unique, it's a unique shoot 'em up game mechanic. I don't think I've really seen that kind of thing in a, in a shoot 'em up before. The presentation of the game, does that feel like it, it's really using the full like PCFX hardware for that? Or does it feel pretty much in line with what, what was going on with like PlayStation? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I think in terms of like getting a sense of, of depth or having like an impressive amount of, of sprites on the screen or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, I, I think it feels pretty much in line with other with uh, games on other hardware. Um, certainly there are a lot of 
sprites on the screen. Um, you know, the, the graphics do look very nice. Everything is smooth and fast. But, um, you know, again, I think the, the, the strength kind of ends up being in, like, you know, it, it has the story mode. Um, not as seamless as, as Zenki. It's more, you know, you, you get you get a full motion video cutscene and then it goes into a battle. But, um, but it, it, it very much seems like a very cinematic experience, I think is what I'm going for. Uh, again, you know, good voice acting and things like that. Um, so I, I think in that respect, it feels like a PCFX game without a doubt. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, I think it's quite good. Uh, for what it is. So pricing wise on this one, I'd imagine it's desirable for shooter fans and it's also an accessible PCFX game. Is it, I assume it's expensive. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. I, I unfortunately like, well, fortunately uh, I am a bit out of the pricing loop. So incidentally, I do have a complete PCFX collection. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I basically decided to go after a complete collection at this point. It was probably six, seven years ago, maybe something like that. I decided to finish my collection off. And so at that time, you know, and it depends, you you really have to look up what things sell for, not just what people are asking for. Um, But this was an expensive game back then. I think I spent maybe like 150 bucks on it, at least a hundred bucks. You know, it's, it's, it's in that range. It's not, you're not going to pick this up for 20 bucks. So the last kind of game I wanted to highlight in terms of like the accessible, like I'd say accessible trilogy for the system almost is a uh, chip chan kick. And I think maybe the simplest way to explain this game is it's a uh, bubble bubble clone uh, in some ways. Basically, you're these these girls that run around and they have these almost puyo puyo looking balls with eyes on them and you throw them at enemies and then that stuns them. Then you kick them and then they like fall down the stage. Um, and as they fall on the stage, they'll combo and kill other enemies. And depending on what your combo is, you get like different fruits and snacks. And when you eat those, you get like bonus points and things like that. It's very much like a, like a kind of a single screen, you know, sort of throwback arcade game to, um, to, you know, bubble, bubble, uh, rainbow islands, like that, that kind of thing. Even the original Mario brothers, Mm -hmm. you know, not super Mario brothers, but the original Mario brothers was that kind of a of a kind of a single screen arcade platformer game. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I, how, I mean, you, you just played that game. Like what, what did you think of it? Cause I, I think it's a ton of fun. Yeah. It, it's really fun. It's very simple, but it's like, there's a, there's a lot of strategy to it on like, I want to get to the top of the stage so I can combo everything, but I'm going to die five times <laughs> trying to get to the top um, because I think it's actually pretty difficult to read enemies at times. They they kind of act almost erratically to some extent uh, where they'll just suddenly turn and walk towards you really quickly. So it's like you're watching for the pattern and then you're like, okay, I know what I'm doing. You jump up there and they immediately just touch you <laughs> um, and you just die. And you know, I like I hadn't really played bubble bobble before i played chip john kicks so you know playing it I, I was kind of surprised by the boss battles um but i found them to be super fun i mean i guess minus the the end the last boss i was actually pretty impressed i watched you you beat it and i'm like man like i that, t- that took me a lot of <laughs> although actually did did you did you didn't you do some little cheat or something though i think yeah pro tip buy a second controller <laughs> and then spawn player two you get more lives <laughs> okay yeah no i did not know that yeah. trick so i i probably you know had to play that like a dozen times <laughs> to get by it but but yeah no it's very fun because it, it's you know i think the length is good mm-hmm. like i mean it's an arcade game i've i've developed a much stronger appreciation for arcade games and arcade mm-hmm. game experiences i feel like as i've gotten older man i love that i can sit down you know for an hour 
even a half hour or like, you know, whatever, and play one of these games. And, and Chip Chon Kick, like, it has some length to it. Like, I feel like, you know, I don't think I could get through that game. And certainly not the first time I played through it. I wouldn't think I would get through it in, in less than like an hour and a half or something. I don't remember. Do you remember how long? It's something like two hours. So a lot of the, like even Kishin Zenki does this. There's like a hard mode. Yep. Um, I have not tried that with Chip Chan Cake, but at least with Ch- Kishin Zenki, if you do do hard mode, you get like a special credit sequence at the end. That's different from the normal credits. I have not seen if that's the case for Chip Chan Kick, but I, I feel like it should be there if it's not. Um, yeah. This game does have some cutscenes in between, too. So there's like little little interactions. There's like basically five different bosses, I think, that are kind of go off to different areas in the environment. They're in, it's, it's basically like these evil, I don't know if evil is the right word, but little overlords that go to different parts of town. They're in the, in the city. They're in a carnival. They're at... Uh, I think one's just like a restaurant kind of thing or, or some kind of food court area. And so there's just like a lot of little fun backgrounds and stuff. It's just a cute experience overall. Cute characters, a lot of voice acting, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Everything, everything's very adorable. It's like even in sort of like the, the quote unquote evil enemies. It's like they all, you know, they, they, they cry when they lose yeah. and they, you know, they're all, everything's very cutesy. It's, it's, it's fun. Like I like the, the, this aesthetic's a lot of fun. And the bosses are also very almost like shooterish in some ways. They have like kind of that, that spread shot attack pattern kind of thing. They do like different types of bullet types um, that they have. And it's a lot of like pattern recognition and, and knowing how to avoid those uh, because your characters don't move particularly fast without the right power up. So you have to be very aware of like how a, how a boss is going to shoot and, and what you can do to avoid those attacks. Absolutely. Yeah. If like if uh, an enemy is going to do some attack that's going to, you know, take the whole bottom of the screen or something like that, you definitely have to know that you, you want to be at the top of the screen or it's going to come down the middle. You're going to need to yeah be on be on the sides or something that's. That's a that's a big a big aspect of this boss battle. One thing I really like about Chip Chip and Kick's uh, presentation is that it actually does a lot of like sprite based cutscenes. Um, so this is like more particular what you would see on a lot of like CD based systems um, because they couldn't do like you know full screen full motion video or do a lot of full motion video. Instead, they do these like very detailed animated cutscenes kind of thing using using actual sprites. You know, at the time having FMV stuff was great for PCFX, but as the years go by, the compression of those old videos um it stands out especially if you start like upscaling the console if you're not playing on like a crt or something like that that's a good point yeah and this game does like with those sprite based animations they they just look really nice super colorful um and you know they don't move as smoothly but but they're a real treat i feel like and i think like it's it's part of the reason why people like you know, I don't know if you've seen that Twitter bot for PC98 or whatever, where they just repost screenshots from those games because it upscales so nicely. Yeah. And and yeah, so that aesthetic, you know, some, a lot of those systems, like they had sometimes limited color palettes, mm-hmm. right? You had to get to a certain, you know, bit depth or something like that to just have every color in the world available to you. And so, there, you know, there was a time when just... Um, you know, you had that that slightly limited kind of bitmap graphic <laughs> kind of look to yeah. it, and um, yeah, no, there's there's a real aesthetic there that's actually very pleasing, and that I think yeah, the the PCFX captures with a lot of games like like Chip Kick. So, what I want to talk about next are games you would think more of like as a visual novel or a dating sim or things like that. One in particular is particularly close to your heart, Matt. Um, that's Welcome to Pia Carrot. Uh, I don't know anything about this other than I know Hunex worked on the port of this game. So I will let you take the stage here and, and make your, your, your sell for Pia Carrot. 
I will make my case. So yeah, I mean, this the story for this I think is is pretty simple. You're a young man who um, loses a bet with his dad. You're not doing super well in school, and so you want to take this this vacation. You know, you're you're 18 years old, so you're, you're kind of an adult. And you're like, well, we're, my, my buddy and I booked this like cruise or something like that. They're going to go to like, you know, these, this, uh, you know, by them, by themselves, you know, go have a good time. It's like, like summer, like spring break, basically. So your dad is like, you know what? I will pay for your spring break vacation if you don't fail any classes. Right. <laughs> so guess what? You fail your classes. And so. So what you agreed to do is to work at your dad's restaurant. And um, so, you know, again, when we get into the simulation thing, Welcome to Be a Carrot is very much a dating simulation. So what you have sometimes now are things, you know, when you say a visual novel, um, some of those games, they're really novel-like, right? Um, they have a lot of text. Um, they, they'll use text to set the scene. You know, they'll have images, but like the images don't, do all of the heavy lifting. They'll, they'll use a lot of prose and things like that. This is more like strictly dialogue, right? If you if you ever are setting the scene, you, you just have a different background image. You know, the characters show up and represent themselves. Um, and it's uh, so so you're you're going through a set number of days. This is your your summer vacation. I think it's like a month, month and a half uh, of working at this restaurant every day. You set your uh, your schedule. So um, you can determine like where you're working in the restaurant. Are you running the cash cash register? Uh, you're working in the back room, waiting tables, you know, cooking, washing dishes, whatever. Of course, during the course of that, you have a th- guy. I don't even remember how many characters are in this. Like seven, eight, nine, something like that. Um, you know, of these girls that you can run into and interact with. And, you, you know, you have, of course, like the childhood friend, you have your character that you have a crush on. So it's nice because you actually you have some backstory actually to a number of the characters. Um, but there are, of course, new characters that you can meet through your interactions at the restaurant. It's a game that stuck with me because I was just always so curious about what it was that was going on in the game that I couldn't understand 94 nine percent of it right (laughs) that you know what uh within you know about 15 years i had then translated the game you know myself and and be able to actually even release that to the public thanks very much to uh, to david michael one of the the things that strikes me the most is there are these two reviews of this game on youtube for some reason both from these english english gentlemen their reviews are very similar they seem to both kind of have the same perceptions. I would almost kind of say it a misconception going into the game that they're like, ah, ha ha, this is going to be a laugh, you know, like they're expecting, like, this is just going to be some, some dirty video game. And, and they're just kind of expecting to go in and either be shocked or, or, you know, just find something to poke fun at. And, and both of these guys are like, um, I really like this game. They're like, it's, it's super compelling. Like, I can't stop playing it. Like, I'm really interested in, you know, these characters. And I, and I think we have stuff now, like, I don't know, Steins Gate or something like that. Like, the story in that is amazing. Like, this is nothing like that. But, um, you know, David Michael basically had, had pointed out, he's like, I think I know, you know, why you like this game so much. Because there's, there's always so much going on, and there's so much that you're missing. 
right? Yeah. So at any one point, you're, you're making decisions. You have to like, you can go to a location, you can talk to a character, you know? So anytime you're doing something, there are just all these things that you're not able to do. And so, you know, the whole game takes you like maybe two hours to play through. But it's great because, you know, I, I found at least that I really wanted to go back in, play it again, uh, you know, try to uncover the next character's route and things like that. And um, I know you mentioned about it before that you were keeping it a little bit at arm's length, maybe because of the cut of, you know, cutscenes and things like that. I had burned the game and had some issues. Yes, yes. Trying to run it that way. It was it was not a, any problem with the content of the game. It was uh, me just being like, I need to make this Team Innocent video. I don't have time to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I, I wanted to put your fears to rest that uh, this this game does not rely heavily on FMV. Mm-hmm. It has a it has an opening movie, it has a prologue movie, and it has an ending movie, and that's it. I didn't get very far at all, but what I can say about the video is that I do think it's well implemented in the opening. It, it does that thing that a handful of PCFX games do where they like overlap the main character's dialogue in like in-game text on the video itself and it does it after the game starts rather than just like the opening or ending cutscene, which maybe isn't a big deal baking in the subtitles to the actual video probably would not make any real difference but it did it did leave a greater impression on me because of it i think yeah that opening prologue is really cool and it's kind of too bad like by the time um like elmer got around to doing hacking on um on Zeroigar, mm-hmm. They they had discovered they had kind of he had worked out a way to subtitle the videos and put them back in. Mm. Um, you know, David Michael and I had I mean one I wasn't really prioritizing that, but we hadn't really like gone as far as trying to subtitle those videos. So in that prologue, it's weird because you actually get like half of the conversation, which is 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 kind of odd. But the other half of the conversation we actually have in like the in the readme file, if you download the you know the patch mm. for it, uh, you can you can actually read what's going on. But yeah, so that that prologue is actually the only time that it ever uses FMV like that. But it is actually a really cool effect. I do I do really like that FMV sequence where um, you know it's 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 video and then you have your main character talking and it, it, it types it out. It's it's very cool. So I could be wrong, but I think this is originally a PC ninety eight game, right? Correct. I assume the reason you ended up doing the fan translation PCFX version is just because the accessibility, that's what you had. Also, that's the version you had played, too. Is that, that the main choice? Yeah, it's the version that I played, but it's also thinking about these PC ports, especially on the PCFX. You know, this Welcome to Pia Carrot edition is essentially a like the definitive edition of the game. You know, if you do want the, the version that has kind of, you know, more graphic uh, scenes and things like that that you would have gotten in the PC version also has all the great voice acting, um, which is interesting. Like the what you see a lot of times now, our voice acting will be just the female characters yeah. or something like that. This actually like it, it, all the characters are voice acted. You know, it's your sister, your dad, the you know guys that you bump into. Is the main character? Uh, except for the main character, you do have the silent protagonist. Yeah. So just to clarify, the Saturn version, that does not have the erotic scenes in it, right? Correct. Yes. And does it completely cut them or does it just kind of cover it up so you don't really see the the worst parts of it? (laughs) That's actually a wonderful question because I I don't... um, I I have that version, but I haven't played it. But I'm I'm fairly confident and keep in mind that I'm speculating Mm -hmm. here. So this is, you know, do your own research is what I always say. 
Um, but my impression is that they would have been cut because, you know, I think in terms of ratings, it's more about like what the content is portraying. So if you still have like audio and you, it's still portraying kind of a full love scene and it's not just like a little bit of a, you know, someone in their underwear, like you said, or something, then that affects the, the, the rating that the game is going to get. And so I think that they just would have cut that entirely for the Saturn version. But I don't know for sure. One thing I will say, um, and I, I, you know, you mentioned a little earlier about how somebody reviewed the game trying to, you know, poke fun at it first and foremost, and then was like, oh, this is a good game. When uh, are you familiar with Katawa Shoujo? It was like a Western developed um, visual novel, I guess, or the whole visual novel dating sim versus adventure thing is like a really confusing thing in the West, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it was like a Western developed one that was was mostly based around girls who had uh, disabilities. Yes. Yep, I know I'm familiar with that. I very much started that game thinking it was going to be a joke and then was like, oh no, I like this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yep. I'd say a lot of times people don't know how to talk about sexual content and they the best way to handle it is to laugh at it. I feel like that's the best way to handle something that you don't know what you're talking, like how to appreciate it, I guess, or something like that in some ways. Yeah, um, yep. And so... I ended up leaving the sexual content on for that game, even though at the time I kind of had a negative opinion of sexual content in games. And I find that there are things about some of those more sexual scenes that teach you certain things about characters. Um, you know, I think when like people are in bed, they have a personality as well in bed. And what happens in those scenes can help give you a better idea of, of who they are as a person as well. Um, and so like having that whole bit cut, I think does kind of rob you a little bit of that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And, you know, one of my buddies put it, it just in terms of like, I don't know, fan fictions and, and sort of, you know, these fantasies and doujinshi and things like that, 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 that fans really engage in. It's like, why are they so you know, keen on portraying maybe the, you know, the, the, the romances of these characters going further than what we see in like a movie or a TV show or an anime or something that we've seen. And it's, it's because, you know, it's, it's part of, you know, it's part of human experience and who we are and, and those parts are missing from the story, right. And from the characters. And so we, we don't, we don't, actually kind of get to explore that and i think you know as f people become big fans of a thing sometimes they they really want to like flesh out the the romance of the characters and you know and that's something that these games can do is is uh you know is, is not stop you know they don't they don't just sort of like now we're going to cut to a, a different the morning after or something they they spend a little time yeah getting to know the characters in, in a way that you know we we don't always get to get to to see a character um, and sort of how, how they behave and who they are. Anything else you want to say about Pia Carrot? You should play Pia Carrot. Yeah. <laughs> it's translated. You can play it. It's in English. <laughs> it's translated. You can play it. It's in English. Yeah, absolutely. I highly recommend it. One of two PCFX games with fan translations, or are there more? That's it. Just those two. Pia Carrot and, uh, and uh, sorry, uh, Chojin Heiki Zirorigar <laughs> for now. Okay, cool. I still need to get around to that. I have not, have not done that. Burning games for old systems is kind of a weird thing although i, I believe this um is it metafen or whatever that, i think that's a decent emulator for pcfx stuff now metafen absolutely yeah no metafen's another good one um i i kind of i treated it unfairly for a long time because you know it is kind of a command line utility 
Um, it's not hard to run. You can run it with a, like a bat file or something like that. It's really not that big a deal. And additionally, um, it's always had a problem with our translation of Welcome to Pia Carrot. The issue with it is really just that it does a, a parity check, basically. So it checks whether or not the information on the game is is what it expects the information on the game to be and i believe that it does that as like a like a corruption check you know so like if the if the game is corrupted or something it's not going to try playing it but if you've made a fan translation you've modified it and so it bumps into that and it says whoa i can't play this game so the the real hardware actually does not do that so that's behavior that meddefend is doing well-intentioned but it's it's not actually behavior that happens on real hardware. So you know that that mystery <laughs> having been solved is nice because I think on romhacking.net's forums, like somebody had discovered that and just found a way. Like you can rebuild rebuild the disk sectors or something like that, and it'll like re. I don't know if it remakes the table of contents or it does something, and then um, you know when Medefend checks it, it says, "Oh, okay, the game is all there and it lets you play it." So just an FYI. You, so um, in, in terms of recommending for people how to, to play your fan translation of this game, is, is that the option you think is the best option for that? Or I don't necessarily think it's the best option. Um, the, you know, I think you have three options and they're all equally valid. Mm-hmm. Um, the easiest, I would say, is if you use, um, you know, David's commercial emulator, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Magic Engine FX. It, uh, you know, it, I forget how much it is. I think it's like 20 bucks. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty low price for, yeah, for yep. into it, especially compared to the price of a real PCFX. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, I would recommend like if you if you get that, like we included a I think it's a PPF file. Mm. Uh, it's basically you just put it in the same directory, like the root directory of the uh, the emulator. Mm. Just drop it right in there. And then you can just put your PCFX, your, uh, you know, welcome to PF carrot disk in or, or, or ROM image. And you can just play it that way. It's it's super easy. It, it soft patches it. You don't have to hard patch it at all. Cool. Um, you know, the other option would be MedDefend, and the the third would be to just burn it and play it on a on a PCFX. You know, like I said, there's not a lot of video, so if you have a PCFX, I I think I would play it on on real hardware. So yeah, I have my own like I guess you could say personal favorite adventure slash visual novel kind of thing on this platform, and that's a uh, First Kiss story, and it is a uh, simple romance game i guess you could say there's like 13 girls i think uh but between the games there's a ton of characters in there you're like this high school kid and uh you're going to this school i i don't really know the i, I don't know japanese so i don't really know the the circumstance but uh you basically have all of february that you're at the school that you get the the time to try to uh date one of these girls and you might be able to actually speak a little bit more to the premise of the story better than i can to give you an idea of like how messed up I was originally when I started this game, when I looked up First Kiss Stories plot summary, I ended up pulling up the OVA, which is completely different. It's basically about like one of the girl's uncles, who is her also her teacher, temporarily moving into this house and becoming a love interest for some reason, which is pretty far off from the game's plot. Somebody came at me with that about the game on a, on a forum, and I was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, it's at least in the in the game version what happens is your dad uh is transferred away for his job for like a a few months or something like that so instead of just leaving you living on your own like is you know whatever 17 18 year old kid or something you um he taps uh, a friend of the family to let you stay with him 
So that's you go and stay in her household. It's her and her two daughters, uh, whatever, Mana and Minami, I think. Kana, Kana and Minami. Kana, that's right, yeah. So that's that's kind of how you uh, how you end up there, and you're actually going to the same school you've been going to. So you're just uh, you're just finishing out your school year, uh, but living with uh, some different people. Gotcha. Um, and I'd say overall, like when you look at the type of stories that are happening in this game, it's it's pretty straightforward, simple stories. Um, at least I feel like when you when you're you're looking at it as somebody who doesn't know know the language, is like there's that one game. I forget what her name starts with an A. Ayaka. Um, she has this whole story about like you know you accidentally kind of call her like heavy at some point, and then so she's like, I'm not going to eat anymore. <laughs> and, and and even without the text, you can kind of figure out what's going on um and stuff like that and that's what i liked about this game is like even though i don't really know any japanese like all the stories were followable you mentioned earlier before we start talking there's like a there's like a map system so it's not really linear per se so you can kind of like choose where you're going um and each each of the locations are like marked with a heart if there's a potential event there or something like that and that's kind of how i got through the game is i basically looked at every location and saw if it had a heart and then i went there and tried to figure out what happened uh, and then over time, I ended up 100%ing this game. So I basically would learn who was where on what day and then make save files on a particular day to check every single location <laughs> to see what was going on. So I had an idea of who I could interact with on that particular day. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was likening it to the, the game that I've played that it reminds me of is White Album. Had a, had a similar, you know, system to that. And... Yeah, you know, it, you were talking about your actions having an effect on, you know, the the, the relationship building and things like that. You know, I, I mentioned this in my video about the game, but one of the things that I found just really surprising about it is, like, at one point I went uh, to karaoke with, uh, with Minami, and because I actually sort of skipped through her dialogue... Later on, she asks me a question, and she's like, "Oh, how did you like my singing?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, it was nice." And she's like, "No, she's like, no, you're lying. You weren't even paying attention." And I was like, "Wait a second. And so I loaded up a save, and then I didn't skip through the dialogue, and I, I let it all play out. And I said the same thing, and she said, "Oh, thank you very much." And I was like, "You got to be kidding me, you know?" So th- there's some interesting things in it like that, and and I think you know it, it is a little unique, like. Uh, isn't it when you get to the end, then you actually have to, I mean, this is very similar to Welcome to Be a Carrot, but you, before the game is actually ended, you kind of have to pick what character you're focusing on out of the ones that you've already kind of established relationships with, and then you can try to play out like the last portion. Basically, I think it's like February 28th, you have to do everything you're going to do ahead of time, and then at that day, it's like you have a scene where you're on a on a balcony looking at the stars. <laughs> Yeah. And then you get to choose a name. <laughs> so so yeah, it definitely has that. And then uh, basically there's like a second section. How long that section is depends on the character. Some of them it's literally like an extra day. Other ones, like Kana is kind of the main character of the game. Hers goes on pretty long. Uh, uh, I think it's like an extra month of content maybe for her. Yeah, you know, I feel like this this game because you said you've you've played like all all of the roots in this is that correct yeah i got all the little at least i got all the like cutscene graphics so i got every one for every girl i mean it seems like in the same way that welcome to pia Carrot kind of caught my you know my attention it seems like this this kind of caught yours like what um i don't know what do you think about it like kind of kept you coming back to it and just wanting to wanting to see all the roots and 
So the first thing is it's a Hunex game. And and so I think I have a general fascination with the developers. So even though it's like very normal, um, it's it caught my eye more because I know who's working on this. They've had an extensive history. They're still around today. They still make a lot of Otome games. They still port visual novels all the time. Um, and the reason I in, it got this game in the first place is because there's like a hidden fighting game in it. Um, and I kind of call it like Hunex's little mini Smash Brothers because it features characters from Blue Breaker or a character from Blue Breaker, a character from Versus Story, and a character from a series called Private Idol. Um, and so that was kind of what caught my attention. But I think what kept me going was just... Uh, I also did Minami's Route first. And I think I was just surprised how much I understood what happened. Like, for certain, I, w- I didn't know everything. But I was surprised that I had a beginning, middle, and end to that story. Uh, I've never tried to play a visual novel in Japanese before before this. Um, and I was surprised by my patience. And when I played another route, I was surprised that I kind of understood that. And I think that just kind of led to one thing to another. And eventually found myself at the end of that game. <laughs> So I think we can go ahead and start wrapping up here. Uh, I was curious to know, you know, what were you looking forward most to kind of checking out in the future on the platform? So, yeah, no, this is a great question. Um, I uh, translated recently a game for the Famicom called Mizase Pachi Pro Pachiokun. And it's basically about this anthropomorphized pachinko ball that uh, goes around and plays pachinko. Uh, In these pachinko parlors, you just have to clear like a set number of machines, move on to the next parlor and uh, I actually played through that whole game and finished it. Um, and, you know, it's it has a history of being published on a lot of different consoles. There is a PC Engine, uh, like, cue card mm-hmm. version of Pachiokun, I believe. And there's one on the PCFX. It's called Pachiokun FX. And um, I've actually really wanted to play that now since I have learned how to play Pachinko. I really knew nothing about that. Uh, and I ended up reading a book on how to play Pachinko. And then between that and my experience playing uh, that Famicom game, uh, I kind of like Pachinko now. Oh, cool. So um, Pachiokun FX is really cool, too, because like most of the games on the FX, it, it looks really nice. But it, it's funny because it has this really fantasy anime aesthetic, too. You know, all the characters are like, uh, you know, magicians or you know, just these weird fantastical uh, characters that you're, that you're playing Pachinko with. It's, it looks really cool. But yeah, no, there's a lot of games I'd like to play on the, on the PCFX still. Um, definitely the other, you know, those dating sims, like the ones that are, uh, you know, 18 only. Um, Dokusei 2, um, Can Can Bunny Extra DX. Can Can Bunny Extra DX is developed by Cocktail Soft, and it's, the Ken Ken Bunny series is basically their big series that came before Welcome to Pia Carrot. So being such a, a Welcome to Pia Carrot fan, I feel like kind of obligated to to check that out at least. It's the fifth game in the series. They, they did, a, did a whole lot of them. Um, but that's kind of your typical, like, this this goddess comes down from the heavens to help you get a girlfriend. Like, she's, she's your wingman. So, I, you know, um, I, I think that seems like a lot of fun. Something we didn't talk about at all is the PCFX actually has a number of Otome games on it. Um, one of them is Angelique Tenku no Requiem. There are multiple Angelique games on the PCFX, right? Yeah, there are actually quite a lot of Angelique games. There's, I think, maybe four, at least three or four Angelique games. I think it's four. And then there's there's a couple others that kind of count as Otome games, like... Um, uh, you know, Comic Road, I think, probably counts. Um, you'd mentioned another one. Uh, Albrea no Otome. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and essentially, you know, I think this ties into the game, you know, kind of being marketed towards geek culture mm-hmm. at the time and like kind of nerd culture um, for like female otaku. You know, I think a lot of them are really into manga or BL or just, you know, romance stories for, for girls. And um, so like the Angelique series, they're, they're by and large raising Sims kind of like, we talked about graduation mm-hmm. and uh, you know those sort of games, but um, you know you, if you play again. It's kind of like a princess competing with another princess to see who becomes the one who you know takes over the kingdom. And there are all these handsome uh, guys who you know can be be your I don't know they're your tutors or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, you can you can romance a whole bunch of them. Um, so the, I mean those on their own are interesting. Um, but this one in particular is an RPG. So it's kind of your classical fantasy RPG, but it's also an Otome game with like uh, the Angelique characters. So I just think that's really neat. I, I've been wanting to check that out. Albert and Otome, um, <laughs> I believe is a strategy RPG as well. So I think it's very similar that if there's Otome elements, you're building this character and you're building these relationships with these guys. Um, and then there's supposedly strategy RPG elements. I've played it for about an hour, an hour and a half, have not seen a single <laughs> shred <laughs> of any kind of strategy RPG element. Um, but I believe the back of the box that it's real. Um, so one day, one day I'll commit to it. But it's definitely one of those ones that I tried to put it in just to see what it's like. And then was like, maybe I'll come back to this later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's, there. I mean, and that's something, you know, the... PCFX has a lot of RPGs on it. I, I made a little video where I like I just held up to the camera like a bunch of the mm-hmm. RPGs on the system. You know, I'd like to play some more of the RPGs. I, I played some of Miraculum, which is actually quite good from what I played uh, of it. They call it kind of a you know traditional RPG, but the you know the the cutscenes in it it does have those FMV cutscenes. Um, I think they work really well in RPGs because you know the being turn-based and not action games like there it's it's a little more welcome to have like this break and you get to sit back and see a flashy cutscene. um i think that that's that's you know nice um and there's a 3d dungeon crawler on the game on the system called boundary gate that i've really been wanting to check out for a while it's one of those games that kind of defies that 3d you know the pcfx can't do 3d a little bit because it does you know software wise um it's 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 a like a first person dungeon crawler and it has that 3D perspective. There is a PlayStation port of it that I think you know uses actual like 3D polygons, but I think it's still I think the PCFX version is still kind of calculating like 3 3D polygons uh, for it. It it, lo- it looks quite nice. And um, what I read about it, it seems like the general consensus is like people are like, yeah, this is not a great RPG, but they're like, this is totally competent and fun. Like it's, it's like a, like a worth, a worth playing, like a thumbs up kind of game, but just not, it's nothing special. I think you could say that about a lot of PCFX games. You're going for a general aesthetic. Like there's special things about the games that appear on the PCFX, but it's usually not the gameplay aspect. The gameplay aspect is usually a bit more straightforward. Yeah. Yep. Uh, The one game that I, that I've personally kind of set my eyes on and unfortunately you know, I only saw one eBay listing, so maybe the pricing's inaccurate, but it was a couple hundred bucks. It was a uh, really, really, wait, Ru, Ru, really, Ra, Ru, 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 you, you 
help me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's that it's that weird like Japanese RL sound. Yeah. So like, if you're saying it in that you know Japanese way, it'd be do do da do da. Gotcha. Uh, in more of an, an English sort of way, It's very hard to say. Yeah. You sound like Scooby Doo. Yeah. Um, but this basically looks like kind of like a 2D almost maze game in some ways. Uh, you're kind of navigating these environments, and there's enemies running around, and there's like some puzzle solving you have to do. And it seems like you get like a series of characters, maybe about six or so from what I saw, and you can switch between them, I believe, on the fly. And so you can use different characters to fight enemies and then different characters to solve problem or puzzles. And it seems like it's a short game. I don't know if it has multiple endings. Uh, the long play on YouTube was like two and a half hours long, so it's definitely not a commitment. So I'm actually really excited to try that out someday. The The boss fights are kind of interesting. It's like it's like almost the entire background is just like a pre-rendered graphic. Um, and it doesn't really fit the boss fight very well. So you have this weird boss, like it's floating on the top of the screen. And then your character's like this little, you know, Super Nintendo looking sprite walking around. But it just like does not fit the environment at all. It just looks really goofy and fun. <laughs> yeah, the game almost feels like a doujin game somehow. You know, it's like, it's like, I don't know. But the, what I can say just from what I've played of it, the, um, the opening theme song is really fun, and that's another one where like I like the cutscenes, like mm. the whole atmosphere to it is really cool. Um, so yeah, it, it seems like it seems like kind of a fun, a fun game. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on if somebody wanted to get into the PC effects? Would you say just go the emulator route, or would you encourage people to get a physical system? Hmm, that's a hard question because you know I, th- I think some of the charm of the you know the system is the little white PC tower. You know, it's it's not as big as it looks in a picture. You know again like it's like we were there you know like i was there and so when you're there you kind of you kind of want that same experience um but i mean just certainly financially and because a lot of the games i think are going to be less accessible if you don't know some japanese um you know i think emulation is a is a very uh appropriate way of of approaching this and it's what's nice too is like there are a couple good emulators now uh, between i think between mednafen and and uh, Magic Engine FX, and I don't know if anyone else. I know everyone's doing what is it, Retro Arch or something like that, and then it has. So I don't know. I think it uses Mednafen for its its core for PCFX. So you know you're basically doing it that way. Yeah. Um, and if you want to check these games out, like you sh- you should do that. To wrap up, do you want to give any kind of final thoughts or? I mean, I'm coming at the PCFX. You know, I think as a fan mm. and somebody who you know has some nostalgia for it because I you know I was lucky enough to kind of experience it back back in the day uh, a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, w- I would say like my hope is that, you know, one, I hope that people give the console a second look, you know, I, I would, I would like it if people you know recognize that, yeah, if, uh, if you don't know Japanese, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that like the games are bad, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you can't understand them, it's, it's frustrating. Um, but there are some games you can play and, uh. You know, and, um, you know, I would encourage people to, to take a chance and, you know, try out, you know, a game like Welcome to Pia Carrot, maybe if, if you're kind of on the fence about it, um, to see what that sort of a game is like. But I would also urge you, like, not to judge the library by those kind of games, because they're, you know, like, essentially there are three of that kind of game on the system. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. So, you know, when you think of the PCFX, I'd like folks to think of, you know, the RPGs. Uh, simulation strategy adventure games on the system and um, I'd like people to to just recognize that when 
when that that anime boom was really huge in the mid '90s, there was like a console just for just for those those anime geeks, you know, which I, I think is pretty cool. So as I do with every multi tap podcast, uh, basically I give our give my guests uh, about five minutes or so to kind of just talk about any game they want. Doesn't have to be necessarily rec- or related to the topic at hand. So Matt, I want to see if you brought a game to discuss. Yeah. So my game is Galaxy Robo. This is a tactical strategy game from the Super Famicom. And it's, uh, let's see, I think it's published by Imagineer. I kind of forget if they're a publisher or developer or, or what. Um, but it's, it's a fan translation project. This is something that was brought to me a long time ago. And I had the script kicking around on my hard drive. And it just, you know, we were looking for projects to work on. And I was like, oh, what about this? And I ended up translating it and playing the game a lot. And I just, I found it so much fun. Uh, it's... You know, it's your typical, I want to say Fire Emblem style um, tactical strategy game. It's cheesy. You know, it's a little, I don't even know if I want to call it, uh, like, it's not one of those games that's a classic. Even in Japan, it's actually pretty much forgotten. I don't think people really remember this game. But what I liked about it is um, it's, it's kind of wonderfully cheesy in in that it, it really apes from from Star Wars. So, you know, you're playing like, uh, this farm boy and your town is attacked by brigands. So you and your, your brother and your dad go and fight them off with these, these mech robots. Right. And, but then of course, come to find out, I'm not really spoiling much. He's actually not your real dad. The ancient robo fighter is this, uh, you know, this super powerful robot that was handed down to you from your real father. And, you know, and it just, it just goes from there into this like kind of galaxy spanning, like galactic epic um, that, you know, has princesses and evil emperors and all of the, the kind of cliched things that you would expect. But, you know, something about it, the personality of it is super fun and the gameplay is just great. You know, you have a variety of units uh, and different terrains and each map has kind of, you know, you're going to have a, a completely different strategy to it. Some of them have environmental uh, elements to them that, that, factor into the gameplay um there are different like clear conditions so sometimes it's just you know kill all the enemies um but sometimes you have to do something kind of specific and it gets it gets tricky it gets tough in some spots i just found that over the course of the game like the gameplay was so engaging um the the difficulty was kind of you know it it spiked here and there but i found that it, it made the game i think more enjoyable and uh you know really just like this, the story was just so so much fun um, that I, I just really I really enjoyed that game, and I, I found since we've translated it, like there have been a couple of reviews. Like there's one on romhacking.net, there's one on um, GameFAQs and stuff like that. So I know people are playing it and checking it out. I think finally someone actually did do kind of a let's play of it on uh, on YouTube, which was cool. But I do feel like you know I just I'd like to see a little more out there. Somebody do a video review or some more people like let's play it on YouTube, like because it's just it's a fun game. So I just wanted to put a plug in there for it. It's it's pretty pretty great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Matt. I appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I hope we have done some some good work today in terms of helping people <laughs> be a bit more appreciative of the PCFX library. 
Uh, I know it's definitely over the years, it's been a little, over the last year particularly, it's been a little disappointing whenever I hear somebody say, oh, that's the game that is just the hentai machine. It's like, no, <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little rough, it's a little hard to hear. Yeah, so I'm hoping, hoping, you know, I'm hoping somebody will listen to this and be like, okay, cool, I'm going to check out Kishin Zenki or something, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I definitely agree. I'm, I'm right there with you. So if people want to follow you, Matt, where can they find you? Yeah, I mean, if you guys want to check my YouTube channel out, um, I haven't been uh, posting content to it quite the same way that I used to. But, you know, you have to understand it's been it's been like a close to a 10 year long journey here. So I think like a lot of other YouTubers, I'm posting sporadic content. Uh, and it's a bit a bit more of a kind of a personal gaming vlog for me. But I do try to talk about Japanese games. So if you're interested in that, or if you liked hearing about the PCFX, you know, I'd, I'd recommend that you check it out. And I have a channel for my fan translation stuff too. So if you happen to be interested in that, or you think you might be interested in that, you might check that out. I've been trying to do a little more um, gameplay on both my uh, my fan translation channel and my, my main channel. Actually, I just tried out streaming some Fantasy Star Online 2. I mean, this okay. is going to have been... Um, you know, uh, previous to this video, yeah. but uh, I, I might be doing some streaming also. So you guys might want to check that out. Cool. And um, in terms of any kind of reviews you've done on PCFX games, I'll definitely have those, at least in the YouTube version, like linked in the um, parts where those games are talked about uh, in the, the description. So you can look at his individual reviews if you want to on specific games. Um, because I think we've both done a mix of PCFX reviews, but I don't think we've done a lot of overlap. So I think it'll be good to create a list of games we've both covered between those two. Yeah, between the two of us, I think there's, you know, there, you, we, we talk about a chunk of the library. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, in terms of, uh, of my website, uh, onecontrollerport.com is the, the website itself. Um, if you're, you're new here, uh, I basically mostly talk about Japanese games. Uh, their website really is just whatever I'm currently interested in at the moment. Sometimes that's military shooters on the original Xbox. 90% of the time, that's some random Japanese game I don't know what I'm doing with. Um, uh, but in terms of, uh, of content that might be relevant, um, I've done, you know, I, I'll, I'll link the videos, but I've done a, a Team Innocent review, a full one of that, as well as one of Hunex Fighters 98 that covers that game, as well as the later version of Hunex Fighters 98 that came out on Windows 95. And then also I do some streams. Uh, sometimes it's it's it also kind of fits my website of whatever I'm currently interested in. So, but I try to do a variety. Uh, you know, I look at what I've been streaming and, you know, choose games from different generations, different genres, things like that. So it's always something new going on. If you can just go to onecontrollerboard.com, you'll see basically everything I post there um, categorized onto one site. So, well, thank you so much. For coming yeah thank you so much for having me and and you know spend spending a good chunk of time with me here i really appreciate the opportunity to talk about a system i, I really enjoy yeah and if you if you if you play some pcfx games at some point let us know or if you've played games in the past let us know what what you think um tell us about your individual game that you like i think we both would be interested to hear about some games we haven't really spent much time with uh at the moment so you can put that in the comments or or however you want to get it to us either on twitter um, I'm just one controller port on Twitter. And what's your Twitter again? Rom Translator. Rom Translator on Twitter for you. So reach out to us there too. And the links for the social media for us will be in the description as well. So thank you again. And I hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye.